Thank you, Doc. And I'm gonna mess up your last name, Jang. You can always yeah. mess up my last name, uh, sir. You, you, you almost have the same last name that Zigang. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> How do we say your name, man? Well, Zigang <laughs> oh. is a Chinese name, that's why. It's very weird. Nobody yeah. will believe me if I said uh, his last name is Chinese. Harry, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Don't bully our intern, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, so, anybody else has anything to share, guys? Come on. Oh, here. Susan, uh, Susan has posted uh, on, the, on the group chat, has downloaded a, a file. You can check it out about supporting the swimmers. You know, um, that's something they, a file that she sent to her swimmers with some activities. They do, they do some inner work and how they, they have some time alone. So if you, um, can you see the chat? Hello, Marlene. Um, so Joe, uh, about Zukang's uh, circumstances, right? I think I can recommend one of the coach to actually um, how to say, uh, actually share her experience because she only have two lanes when she first started. And um, I think she can share a little bit more to Zikang where she have a lot of swimmers and how she managed with only two lanes running them. Uh, I think uh, Celine, Celine, you want to share? Yeah, hi. <laughs> Thanks for pointing me out. <laughs> she 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 just like she did a brilliant job where she can only she can manage with so many swimmers in two lanes, and I'm really surprised as well. Maybe she can share a little bit to Tsukang. Um. Okay. Uh, that was a couple of years ago when we only have four lanes to sixty over kids. Um. Yeah. Actually, I only had one lane, not two lanes. <laughs> Uh, I have around the maximum, I mean, the, the most I have at that time was uh, around 18 swimmers. But I don't really hit 18 swimmers um, on a normal day. I probably have like 12 to 14. Um, but that's quite a challenge for me because I have, um, I think I have two to three cycles in a lane. It's, I know it's very dangerous um, because I'll be having faster kids um, have having them overtaking the slower kids in the same lane when we especially when we do um longer distance so um yeah i think every day is a challenge for me every day after every session i'm just i'm worn out because um and we don't have pace clock uh we couldn't afford to buy a pace clock at that time so I have, I was having, uh, I think, three store watchers with me, um, taking three different uh, cycles. Um, yeah, I think what what um, Sergio uh, mentioned earlier was you have to be creative. Um, the same set that you're doing uh, for for different different kids, you have to arrange in a way that the cycles doesn't really. Uh, overlapping or crashing with uh, the other cycles you're having for the slower swimmers and also I mean I, I learned from mistake that I, I, I made as well like sometimes okay it doesn't work this way I have to think of another way to, to to make it work so that 
um, the kids are still benefiting from the program I'm giving. Um, and at the same time, they, they, they still want to come back and train. They don't feel frustrated. I, I, I mean, I face a lot of frustration and, and so, did, so did my kids. But um, yeah, uh, and one thing uh, that I find that uh, why I find I did a great job was um, at that time I have long distance swimmers, middle distance swimmers and short distance swimmers within my lane itself. So yeah, I can't really think of a way how to, what, what did I do back then? Uh, I think it's more on having a cycle that, that doesn't really, um, I mean a cycle that suits everyone. It doesn't uh, crash clashing with other, other cycles. Yeah, I'm, I hope that that helps. Oh, thank, thanks, Aline. Thank okay, you. I'm going to tell you one thing. The most important thing, with, I agree with Celine, you have to, uh, you have, uh, most important, you have to be creative. But this is about the kids. If they see you, if you have 14 kids in two lanes, and they see you sitting in a chair and giving them instruction, like, oh, go, go, and you lose track of them, they're going to leave. But if they see you, you can have, 14 kids in one lane with three different intervals. But if you engage and you talk with the slowest one and the bigger and, and the fastest one, you will be successful because the kids will feel that they belong there. Make sense? Hey, they don't care about being 14 in one lane. They don't know any better. So, but you have to be engaged. You cannot be because you have frustrations or because you're tired. You know, you sit, you know, when I see a coach sitting in practice, I want to get a BB gun and I want to shoot them, you know? You have to really engage. You have to walk. And sometimes I would stand on the pool deck and I might be thinking about the movie that I want to watch at night, but I'm standing over there with my arms like this. And the kids, when they, they swim by me, they don't know what I'm thinking. But they, they feel that I'm watching them and that I'm. And if you pay attention Guys. to the slow ones, the fast ones, and doing the set, you cheer for this one and then you cheer for the other one. The kids will love you and the kids will swim fast. Sure. Guys, I have another problem recently. You know, my school moved to a new campus and instead 25 meter pool, we got 50 meter pool. And I found so challenging to, to cover like 20, 20,000 steps over the day. So compared to 25 meter pool, I just normally, normally would go eight, 9,000 being like all this, like Sergio said, around the pool, walking and shouting and uh, showing I'm engaged. So that's my problem currently. So a 50 meter pool being very difficult. So how to, how to solve this, this issue? Ivan, at least you, you, look, you look good right now because you lost quite a bit of weight. I'm still fat as, as hell. Well, yeah, you're right. Actually, I've lost about uh, 12 kgs since. So it's bloody hard. Good, hard work. <laughs> yeah, you know, in the 50 meter pool, you cannot be at every at this in the same uh, everywhere at the, at the whole time, and you can maybe in a two-hour practice, you can be 15 minutes on one side, 15 minutes in the other side. You can still see everybody, and you can shout. Yeah. You have a pretty good voice. You can shout from one side to the other and tell them to yeah, move because they're not doing what they need to do. You know, Justin, help to manage um, your 
you know, three, three different sets or different, three different workouts at the same time. I use uh, workouts for swim coaches, so it can run. Uh, well, we have a lot of screens around the pool currently, so I just, uh, you know, stream once, one session or one main set, say for the main group, uh, you know, and then I have uh, two stopwatches running for sprinters and for long distance guys. So kind of, if it's anyone, anyone uses workouts for swim coaches, quite, quite nice application. Uh, so that helps. So the kind of takes away one stopwatch from you. It's kind of handy. But Sergio, right, it's, it's, it's not about running this or that set. It's about to, to be present at training, you know, not just to sit down on poolside or on a chair and see, the, see them swimming. So that's, that's right. You know, uh, the summer that Joseph uh, won the Asian Games or he got a medal in the Commonwealth Games right behind, he won 51 something in the hand of fly. Uh, when he was training with me at Bolts, we had a practice at the same time. 108 swimmers on the pool, 108. And I had a 50 meter pool and I had a 25 yard pool. And I had to figure it out how to put 108 people practicing in, in that with five coaches, four, one, me, myself and four more. And the only thing that you do is be dynamic, you know? And you had swimmers like Joseph and swimmers that went to the Pan American games or the different games and swimmers that they go to the state but if you treat them and they see you moving and they see you cheering for them and you only have to say sometimes two things to one kid, they'll, they'll respond very well. Just be creative. Anybody else? Uh, hi, Sergio. Hi, Kevin. Um, uh, my question is how you manage to keep your swimmers to training. Well, uh, as a head coach, you always focus on those top performers and some of them might not be able to um, swim as fast as the top performers. How do you keep them in training? You can see from the, our country, from the under 11 until the under 17, maybe drop out less, less than 20% from it um, throughout the age group. How you keep them swim until the high school and so on. I think when I was at Bowles, uh, when I got there, we had 220 swimmers, I think, you know, and uh, by the tw two years later, I had 500 swimmers with the same number of coaches. Um, and the reason, I think one of the things as a head coach, yes, you focus, you're going to coach, many head coaches coach the higher level kids, but I was engaged with every, every group too. You know, we had meetings with the coaches. When I finished my practice, I'll go and watch the other practice before I went home and I chat with the coaches and I cheer for the kids and I talk with the parents. So it's, it's, you have to be engaged because in a way you're the face of that program and people come to the program because when they're five, 10, 12, 13, at one point they want to swim with a head coach, you know? So, so as a head coach, your responsibility is to be the head for everybody, you know? To, to share your thoughts. You might be walking out to go to your car and a parent stops you to ask you about, my daughter is 10 years old. Well, you better stop and chat with that person and have a good conversation. If that person stops you every day, then you can tell them to go to an, a different club. But, you know, I think it starts from you engaging and really believing in the, the culture of the, the, the team. 
And also if you have other, uh, your assistant coaches or the age group coaches, to have a good relationship with them and trust them with what they do, support them. When they have a bad season, it's not the end of the world. You know, let, let's fix it. What have we done right? What have we done wrong? And, you know, sometimes a lot of the head coaches react in a bad way to bad results because it has a reflection on them. You know, so you create a good thought process from the bottom to the top. Also, you know, my job when I was an age coach at Bowles is to create the best product possible for the college coach to take care of it, you know. If, you know, like Joseph or Ryan Murphy or all these guys, they didn't lift weights with us. Huh? So I knew that if I put Joseph or Ryan Murphy in the weight room when they're 16, 17, before they leave, they're swimming instead of 53.3 in the 100 backstroke at day 17, maybe they go 52.5. But do I sacrifice that for my glory or do I want him to be an Olympic champion later on? You know what I mean? So you have to make those decisions and teach, teach your, your, the coaches that you work with that that's, that's the process. You coach 10 and unders, you do the best thing so the next coach can coach them a little bit higher level and the next coach a little bit higher and the next coach a little bit higher. Whatever you, your philosophy is, if you take care of the kids and you look for the long term, it's going to be a good one. Make sense? Okay, thank you. Everybody's thinking about the magic pill. You know, magic pill. There's no magic pill. People are people. You take care of people, they'll be loyal, and they'll work for you. Make sense? Like, like Joseph, Joseph School came to train with me. Like, when they finished, when they finished, uh, when, when I was at Bolt and they finished their high school years, we always talked that they never had to come back to train with us. Just go with your coaches. We're going to be friends in this. And I never wanted Joseph to come back and train with me because he had great coaches. He had great coaches at Texas. He has great coaches in Singapore. You know, but at one point, the only reason that is because if he had certain mental things that he needed to work with, and I know him since he's 12 years old, and he, you know, we can chat about that. We can chat about life. And he has that confidence with me that he, he can feel at peace with himself because we did that when they were young. Make sense? Yeah. So, and, and you know, and, and that's what you gotta do. Yeah, um, guys, I think, particularly talking back about a head coach, um, as Serge would say, like, you have to be very clear about your own philosophy. What, what is it, what do you feel like, whether it's stroke, whether it's how to talk to parents, whether it's energy systems and training and so on. You have to be very clear about that and then you create your, your environment. Yet you want to allow all your staff and all the other coaches to still be creative. You don't want them just to block them in and this is the only way we do it because if you take the wind out, out of their sails of being creative and, and bringing something new to the team as well, that's not a good way. But again, to balance these two things uh, is not easy as well. And the same way it goes across down to the swimmers. I think you, you want to be able to, to have that connection, as Sergio said, and, and, and anyone who knows him, he's, he does it so well, uh, being able to deal with people it, every time it comes back down to that. 
Uh, we want them to do incredible things, sometimes unhuman things, but they're all, they all human beings and you have to be able to keep on connecting back to them, whatever you set up. And the better connection you create there, the more crimes in the sense of the hard work and the commitment and the long-term working on it again and again, potentially can do. Um, everyone has different potential of talent. Some can win an Olympic gold medal. Uh, for some, that's not even the potential, as we know with one particular athlete. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, for some, it's, it's to swim in a B final at the regional meet. That is their potential. And our job is to get that out of them, to make them believe, to get them to dream a little bit bigger and to come back the next day again for the same hard work and, and so on. And if you create that environment, uh, every day they will still have a smile, no matter how hard you work. They know you still have enough fun and so on throughout that journey um, and, and you can do the work you want to do as a, as a, as a high-performance coach. All right, thank you. Uh, Kevin, one of the things too that I would advise you, and I don't know if you guys do it, as head coaches or even age group coaches or talk with your, with your bosses, it's parents' education. You have to educate the parents. It's key. You know, a lot of people are, a lot of coaches are afraid of talking with their parents. They are, you know, because, but, you know, and I don't know in your countries, but in America, swimming is really, a lot of people are middle class to higher class. Huh? So you're talking about people that have jobs, they have their own companies, they're lawyers, they're doctors, they're these, that they think they're smarter than anybody else. And the only thing that they need, the, the most important thing that they need is to understand that you have a direction on what you do. Make sense? So it's important at the beginning of the season or once every two months or, or is have meetings with the parents where you sit them down and you explain the philosophy of the team, uh, the, the goals that the team has, how each group is structured and, and the goals of each team and how they need to talk to the kids. That's a very important thing. Like, for example, you know, I mentioned this in a different talk. Uh, like if, if Jimmy has a bad meet, let's say the swims the, the 50 freestyle and his goal was to go 30 point and goes 31. When he comes out of the water, his friends are going to be like, oh man, what happened to you? That was, that was crap. You know, you, you look awful. So Jimmy's already sad, walks around. Then the coach looks at Jimmy and says, hey Jimmy, what happened? You trained so well, you da 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 and da 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 and you did this. And some coaches are pretty mean the way they talk to the kids. Huh? So now Jimmy is sad, wants to cry, changes the clothes, goes into the car, and mom is waiting in the minivan when Jimmy comes in, and the mom says, Jimmy, you really look bad today. What happened? So then Jimmy shuts down, and he's really upset. Right? So we need to educate the parents to tell, so the mom at that moment, you know, she had say, hey, Jimmy, let's go have ice cream, or let's go watch a movie, or let's go and have pizza. Forget about swimming. Don't ask the kid about swimming. The kid is already pissed. Doesn't matter if he's 10 years old. He's upset because the, 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 his peers uh, are telling him that he did bad. The coach doesn't like what he did. And now the mom is supposed to give or the dad unconditional love is asking Jimmy in a nice question, what happened today? That's not a bad question, but it's in the wrong time. So if 
if you take Jimmy to eat ice cream or that, 20 minutes later, Jimmy is going to ask the mom, he's going to tell the mom, you know, mom, mama, I don't, I don't know what happened to me. I thought I was ready and I had a bad day. And then you can, there's a door open for you to talk as a parent and support that kid. Make sense? So there's a lot of education that you can have. And always think about how you would like to be treated as an athlete. How many times your coaches have scolded you and told you things that make you cry or they make you feel like you were like this big? Do you want to make your athletes feel like that? Do you think they're going to swim faster? Are they going to be better people? No. So, so you have to really set up a plan on how you're going to do that. And that's a day a day. You know, like... If I come into the pool deck and I'm upset and I yell at the, at the swimmers or I say something back to an, a, a coach, you know, many times I just react. But when I walk away, I come back and I apologize. I try to, most of the time, I, I go back and I, I apologize to the kid. I'm so sorry, blah, 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 or I apologize to them. You know, you cannot do it all the time because at one point the apologies are not going to work. But if it's an honest, honest mistake, you need to apologize, accept what you did, and have a relationship where you can work things. Make sense? And that starts with parents' education and maybe educating you co the coaches that work with you. And, and then you'll see how everything is going to filter out and you're going to have a much better environment. If I... Hey, Sergio. Yes, Sorry. sir. Um, yeah, you can just finish your, your sentence and then I have a question. If I'm a, if I'm a lawyer and, you know... And, and I go to a meeting, and I go to another meeting, and I feel that the person in front of me has a direction, I'm not going to worry anymore. Now, when you have lower-income kids, and I'm not talking about your countries, eh? I'm talking about uh, the United States, a lot, a lot of the lower-income families, the only thing that they care is to have their kids safe. Right? And they want their kids to be taught how to take ownership of life. And, and the same with the rich kids. The rich kids probably, they need to still learn more how to take ownership. But you, you will not have many problems with lower income parents in America because they're busy working and taking care of the family. Make sense? And if, if they get some information and they see that you're a good person, as dysfunctional as you can be, but you want to take care of the kids, they will never give you. Yes, Alexander, what's up? Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, so like, Obviously, like we we are working with a little bit lower level swimmers, I would say, like international school swimmers. Uh, but at the end of the day, they are quite committed and uh, serious about swimming. And when we go for any school meets or something like that, I find it quite difficult to give them feedbacks during each of their races. You know what I mean? Like, let's see, you've got thirty to fifty juniors middle school swimmers and you want to give them feedback after each race but obviously the race is running and uh, you have to watch more races from other swimmers when is the right time for us to give them feedbacks so then you don't miss the guys while they are racing and you're also going to be able to to share your 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 racing experience and feedback so would you give the feedback during like the race, like uh, at the swimmer's race, or you would actually keep it like until the end of the meet and then 
after the meet you shared it with them. But like, look, for example, for us right now, um, I, I, it's pretty much the same idea with any group that I coach. But right now, us, when we swim a dual meet, my last an hour and a half, you know, and it's bam, bam, bam. And people swim three, four events in an hour and a half. Yeah. So it's pretty hard. So one of the things that I've always told the swimmers is like, look, here's the warm down. And after you race, doesn't matter if you swim fast or you swim slow, you go into the water, you do your warm down, right? you, and, and then you come close to me. And if there's nobody swimming, I'll talk with you. But if the thing keeps moving, do not worry that we can watch video later or we will talk later. And you try to meet with, with the swimmers later on. You know, if there's, you have a five minute break because there's nobody in the next three hits, you, you catch whatever swimmers are next to you and you give them the feedback. But I think what's important is you stay the course watching the races because you, you need to watch the kids. You don't want to be spending time talking to a kid. That at, maybe at that time after the race, he's not even listening to you because it's, I swim so bad. <laughs> they need to go warm down, take care of themselves, calm down, and then, or, you know, rest. And then whenever you have an opening, you can take care of the kids. Make sense? Yeah, that's great. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. That's that's education, and that you can talk with the parents and you can talk with the kids. You know, for example, for us, we write down a warm down in a whiteboard and we put them in the in the warm up pool, right? and the kids they go straight. You always have a kid that's from pretty bad and comes up to you, and you have this twenty year old guy right behind you, <clears throat> and then I have to turn and say, "Hey, you get the hell out of here, go warm down, and then we'll talk when you come down and when I have time." And then yeah, have to yeah. point, you have to make a point of finding that kid and talking to the kid. Make sense? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, give ownership to the, the, the kids. Say, look, I am taking notes, mental notes, right? and it is your job. After the race, after the meeting is over, if I haven't spoken with you because I couldn't take care of it, it is your job to come and talk to me. I'm going to try to find you, but please find me. Because the yeah. he has to find one coach. The coach has to find 30 swimmers. Good. Thank you. Coach, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yes. Uh, coach, maybe you can build on that a little bit uh, more at the Olympic level. Um, many of us haven't been there yet, but maybe you can talk us through um, that, that famous day when... Uh, Joseph went from heats into semifinals into into finals, um, and sort of the the conversations that you were having with him between between the three races at uh, Olympic Games. You know, um, I don't remember all the conversations. You know, it's like because I don't I don't honestly remember. I would really probably mislead you with things, but I can tell you one thing: that meet was the meet that he was the more relaxed than any other meet that I've seen, you know? Um, and he had an idea what was going to happen. Normally, on, even though I wasn't coaching him, Eddie Rees was his coach, and I was with Singapore as a head coach, and he was training with me during that summer for on and off. He asked me, normally I've been going to the ready rooms with him every time, you know? So he asked me before the final to go to the ready room. And, you know, many times, Joseph, you know, we had a lot of conversations about, because he would be very nervous before the, uh, the Asian Games or before the Commonwealth Games. And, you know, normally we talk as we walk into the regular room and I give him a hug and he gives me a hug. And, 
and I say what I say. And at the Olympic Games, I gave him a hug, and I don't remember what I say, but he looked at me. He looked at me straight to my face, and he said, you know, Sergio, don't worry. I got this. And he walked away, and he got that. You know, like I was like, uh, you know, because, you know, as a coach, you're more nervous than the swimmer. You cannot show that to him or to her because you have no control over what they do. Make sense? So that's what I can tell you. I think this is the, probably the meat that I saw him, that he was more consistent mentally. And he really felt there was a chance for him to do that. And as he progressed from one race to the other, you know, he, um, he got what he was looking for. I'm pretty sure that, you know, he went 48-2 in the 100 freestyle in the prelims. And then in the semifinals, he took a bath because if you watch it, not a bath, but, and he still went 48-5 and whatever he went and didn't make the semi. He didn't want to make the semis. But I just want to swim. He didn't want to make the final. I just want to swim uh, just to break the ice and to be ready for my 100 flag. So he had a plan of what to do. But that's, that's the most that I can tell you. you know? Anybody else has anything? Uh, hi, guys. Um, just a little bit about age groupers. Sometimes if you give a feedback during competition to each group, you just simply high five, well done. That's probably enough. I don't, I don't think you have to give feedback to... 50 children or uh, anywhere between 8 to 12 or whatever, 14 years old. And uh, agree with Sergio, it has to be, you know, has to be up in appropriate way and in appropriate time. Sometimes it was a, if it was a better good race. So, you know, absolutely agree with that. And uh, I experienced, for example, went to uh, junior, junior world uh, championships and European championships. I found myself, I actually behave uh, way more weirdly than my swimmer. So I actually had to learn how to behave absolutely uh, like it would be, uh, you know, any local competition. And uh, for me, it was, uh, for example, something to learn from that particular situation and to say whether my tips or my warm-ups or anything been differently. No, everything was the same. The only was my behavior was slightly off. So I had to learn from that. So I think it's important to be the same. <laughs> That's it. I have to go to Toys R Us now. To buy toys for my kids. All right, guys. Thank you very much for the conversation. Thank you, Giorgio. Sergio. It's a, it's a great, great chat. Thank you, as always. Walk home. Thanks, Ivan. I think I think I tell you one thing. Like you have to show your kids that there's no fear and you don't doubt about anything. You know. For me, I had six swimmers at the 2016 Olympics that I was coaching, and Kevin Corbis had a chance to win or to win a medal in the Olympics. And I believe that the reason why he didn't win a medal is because of me. Because before the, the race in the final, I told him, I never do that. And I made the mistake. I said, look, Kevin, you swim in a certain way that everybody knows how you're going to swim. And they're going to wait for you. And don't go out so fast. Try to be a little bit slower. He could go out in a 002, 003, kind of easy. And, and then just stay the course what, 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 what we did. And instead, I told him, hey, try to get out in a one-on-one something. And he's never done that. So the poor kid get out, got out in a one-on-two. And when he realized he was out of the race and he, he couldn't do anything. And he came out of the water and he looked at me. It's like, uh, uh, I don't know what happened. 
and then I still had Joseph and other swimmers competing. So you have to keep yourself calm and you have to make sure that the, the, the athletes don't see you doubting about things. Because they're gonna feed up. They're gonna feed up you. Doesn't matter the level. The Olympics is one, and the age group is, is the same. The feelings that they go through are the same feelings. Uh, it's it's a good old roller coaster game of the coach. So whilst one side is smiling, just had a great result. Thirty seconds later, you have a bad one, and um, and we have to be able to juggle that at the same time. And, and sometimes throughout, uh, even arriving before you arrive at the pool, you can get yourself in a certain zone because you maybe know as well what will come your way and, uh, and, and practice a little bit because we have to make it, fake it until we make it. We have to be able to switch very quickly from one task to the next task. You have an athlete just coming back that had a bad experience and then you turn around, there's an athlete who needs instruction to, to a big race of, of, for the competition, for the athletes, and everyone deserves your full energy, your belief, and, 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 and anything. And as a, as a younger coach, I think we have to learn to get these emotions in, in line, that we can control that as much as possible. We're all human beings as well, but we, we have to be able to find in ourselves that balance and switch very quickly from one to another. On the other side is you send off some athletes to the martial room uh, where you early on as a coach, you reflect, okay, how do I feel with this? What do I want to know as a swimmer myself? And now I reflect the same way uh, on it and, and send every swimmer early on the same way to the martial room. But later on, you maybe separate. There's the one who wants to have the last technical feedback. There's the one who just wants to be pumped up. There's the one who just wants to have a joke and laugh. And, and you have to figure out, it's, it's not just your personality you have to manage through a meet. You have to as well be able to instantly uh, recognize who stands in front of me right now and, and how can I uh, engage with this individual to get the best performance out of this individual. So, so whilst uh, we go through emotions and they go through emotions, we have different personalities arriving in front of us and we have to learn to balance that. Very important. Anybody else? Any questions that you might have, guys? Hey, Sergio. Um, circling back to like assistant coaches and head coaches, uh, what, what do you think um, is like the difference between your communication as an assistant coach as opposed to when you became a, a head coach? You know, how, how was your communication different or was it the same? You just acted the same? Um, my first job was a head coach. So I, you know, I had to learn the hard way. And my first job, I was a head coach of a club. It, two years later, we're one of the top teams in the country. So... And I had assistant coaches. I had two assistant coaches, an age group coach, and a developmental coach that they hated my guts. So it was very hard to manage them. You know, uh, again, I built a team. My group had only 12 swimmers, and two years later, I had 125. And we went from nothing to being second fastest team, second best team in the country. And, um, but that's a hard part. You know, uh, I think the communication has to be if you trust your head coach or you trust your assistants, it has to be very fluid, you know, because the assistants that I have, I, I've been lucky that I know I can learn a lot from them. 
you know so it's and for me you know i want them to share things sometimes i don't like what they tell me and it's okay and for sure they don't like what i tell them and it's okay but in any relationship you have, you're gonna have conflicts and you have to grow from that you know my, my job as a head coach has always been to 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 help the assistants to become head coaches if that's what they want to do you know and for that they have to learn how to have good communication you know i think um yeah i think i think that's a job you know it's like it's like a relationship it's like if you're married you know you, you need to communicate with your spouse you know because if not the people talk about love i you know if you talk if, if gary can tell you that i don't believe in love you know like we always have discussions about that love is work it's not like what people think oh i'm so in love ah. no. is it true gary um, yeah, I actually want to weigh in on this question, actually. Um, I, I, you know, being working with Sergio and uh, working under a couple of other head coaches, I think my best experiences was really with, with working with Serge when I was an assistant um, at that point of time, I mean, at the National Training Center. I think a lot of it is that you really need to defer some of the thought processes as well to the head coaches because ultimately it's... it's uh, you have to give that respect to the head coach knowing that this is their program and you are facilitating somewhat of a discussion between yourself who you work with, some of the individual athletes. But at the end of the day, the head coach actually is the one coming up with the framework of what you want from this particular squad, the culture that you want to build as well. So a lot of times um, as, as coaches, we tend to want to have a voice and we tend to want to speak a lot. Uh, I'm learning it myself right now. I mean, especially with Leonard, um, uh, you know, he works with me as well as Marcus and sometimes I, I want to impose on them my, my thoughts but uh, like what Serge says, uh, a lot of it is communication and really what you want to send to the kids and also for, for you to understand where the assistant uh, is coming from as well and how they can compliment you rather than actually um, go against what you want to do. So as assistant coaches, we do have to compliment the, co the head coaches and ensure that um, nothing is going against the grain of what that particular head coach wants. So that's my take. No, I think, I think uh, it, it, me as a head coach, and Gary can tell you this, we had many conversations and sometimes, you know, let's say that I want to move this bottle of water from here to there. I know how I'm going to move it, but I would ask them how this needs to be moved. And I would rather do it if, in their way than my way. Because you're empowering the assistant coaches to, to have ownership of things. Now, many head coaches think, oh, it's my way or, or the highway. Uh, there's a thousand ways to get to heaven. You know? So, so the, the, the important thing is that the head coach needs to have trust on the assistant. And the assistants need to believe in the head coach. Now, believe doesn't mean to go blindly doing what the head coach does. You know, you have to, if the head coach does something wrong, you have to have the ownership and the trust to say, hey, Sergio, I don't think the way you're talking to the kids or, or maybe doing this is the right way, you know. Is there a reason why you're doing that? There's always a kind of a political way that you can talk, you know. And I think that's, that's how you're going to build a good team, you know, creating those relationships. Yeah. All right, thanks, Sergio. Welcome. Anybody, anybody else has anything?
No, this is, yeah. This is way how is head coach communicate together with the assistant coach. How what about the swimmer? If we have, for example, look like I hear, yes, you have his, another former coach plus U5. You have his different distance, meets, sprint, yes. If swimmer don't want to follow the coach, how to communicate each other, how to teach them, how to fix it? Well, I think uh, the way we do it is like the, the assistant coach is in charge of the group, needs to take care of that. But we always have meetings with two coaches. You know? uh, I, want, I don't want and more for liability issues. And you know, JC, one of the coaches for my team, they can tell you that. I don't want anybody to have a meeting with a, a swimmer by themselves. Uh, and if I have to sit there, because sometimes they say, Sergio, you need to sit in this meeting because they need to see that you don't agree with what they're doing. Because I've told them a hundred times and they don't listen to me. Then you sit in that meeting and you support the coach. You don't just jump and say, I love you support the coach. And the kids need to learn that. You know? I think it has to be a work between the, the head coach and the assistant coaches making the athletes believe in whoever is coaching. Make sense? And at one point, you might have some, some swimmers that don't connect with, with, with you. I had, a, I, I had one swimmer the last year didn't connect with me that I had to give her to another, to another coach. And she swam very well, and she seemed happy this year because she was with another coach that could connect with her. And me, I was happy for her. And whatever the other coach was doing, I support 100%. I wasn't jealous. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. I was just making sure that that girl had a good experience and got, gets out of my team without giving me trouble. Make sense? So. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> uh, um, hey, Sejo. Yes. I, I have a question where I think this is an interest, interesting question for me because I find that a lot of us in this era where back then when we were, we were when some of us are swimmers and when we, when we communicate with our coaches, it's like how you were saying, it's my way or the highway. But nowadays, this generation, we kind of change into a way where we have good relationship with our swimmers. So... Um, how do you balance, like, what are the limit or is there a line where we don't cross um, being a close relationship with a swimmer, but we don't go past to a certain level? Is there a limit or something for you? Well, I would think it depends on the, on the culture that you live, you know. Uh, in America, you have, to, you have to have a lot of separation with your swimmers, you know, in the sense of meetings, no meetings, and, you know, you have to treat everybody the same way. You know, and it has to be very clear. You know, when we have meetings, we have this form that one of the coaches writes down notes from the meeting. And then at the end of the meeting, the swimmer reads the thing and signs the swimmer, signs me, we'll put the date and we'll file it. Why? Because, you know, you know how people, kids are, they have selective hearing and they only hear whatever they want to hear nowadays. So you have to protect yourself. This is our culture because one of my kids can ruin my career. You know, in, if you look at Swim Swam, it's like a, a web, website in America that, you know, many times you'll see head coach leaves because wants to take care of their family. That's a joke. It's probably some kid that went and complained to the compliance office at the athletic department with some, some things. And because they're trying to protect the athlete, they're going to fire the coach. That probably doesn't happen in your country yet. 
you know. So, but but I think you have to, you know, it's like this. Uh, and more, once you have children, you understand that probably more, no? Uh, you have to keep a certain distance with the kids. You know, you have to, you know. I, I'm the first one. I'll joke around and I'll be like, you know, talking sometimes like them and try to be their buddies. And I find myself that I have to walk away from that, you know, because it's not, nowadays, it's, it's not healthy. And, and they have to understand when you, when they cross the line. Because when you have such a good relationship, sometimes they cross the line and they don't care. Uh, you know. so, so you have to be careful with that. Um, I, I, I haven't lived in a country like the US where uh, there's so many rules about this and this because you can, can be sued for anything. But as Serge has said, it, it spreads around the world. And one of the things we probably all want is safety and safeguarding the sport, particularly for the children. Uh, and what we try to teach the coaches here in Singapore as well is to understand quite often uh, if you act today in a particular way, in 10 or 15 years time in the future, you can run in trouble for that. So what we do today, we can be judged by the future laws in society and what the society perceives as morally acceptable and so on. And so most of the lawsuit cases as well go quite far back in, in years. So you have to be very clear about your action, about how you talk to the kids, touching in a professional manner and what you do, uh, not just about what maybe the society perceives today as normal, but what is the future uh, in our field? What, what will it perceive as, as okay or, or not okay at all anymore? Now, that's a challenging one for us, I think, as, as uh, particularly swimmers and, and, and standing there in their swimsuits with hardly anything. And, and, and so we have a lot of responsibility, I think, towards uh, um, towards our profession and towards our uh, beautiful sport of swimming and, and as a coach. You, you know, I'm a, I'm a very touchy person. Like in Spain, we touch, <laughs> you know, and when I first, when, when first start coaching, the, probably the first couple of years, anytime that I talk with the kids or one-on-one -on -one or with the team, I put my hands in my pocket, either in the front pocket or in the back pocket. Because the coach that was there before me was accused of sleeping with one of the teenager girls. And it wasn't true, it was fabricated. They, they feel related, but they ruined the career of that coach. He was a very good coach. And th this was 24, 25 years ago. So for me, it was my first job. And knowing how I am, because you know, I'll grab you by the cheek, you know, I'll, I'll hug you, and you know, and it, that's, that's how my coaches did to me. That's how the Spanish people do, you know, like it's not a better or worse, it's just, the way we do. And so I had to really, I still find myself sometimes hugging my swimmers. And nowadays it's like, if I had one of the swimmers on the pool deck, we had people, we had people, some girls tell us because you touch them in the back. He said, hey, I don't want you to touch them. And he said, okay, I'm sorry. You know, so, so you have to be very careful. You know, it's, you can have a great relationship with people, but you have to keep certain boundaries. Uh, they'll, they'll understand. We, we actually uh, ask every time, even if you do a stroke correction, you want to touch the elbow of a swimmer. So is this okay if I touch you? That, yeah. That's yeah. how far we have to go. We must. We must do yeah. that. You can't 
the shoe now it's okay even even my professional swimmers farida and some of them that i badly will touch them a couple of the times i had to say can i can i can i touch your scabs or can i hold your hands i have to ask and they look at me like are you an idiot just go ahead but but you have to ask you know yeah. because if you do that with a 14 year old girl you never know um, so yeah, that's a, that's a very important uh, thing to as coaches just, you know, to have in mind. Anything else, guys? Um, I'd, I'd like to lighten the mood a little bit from the the safeguarding stuff, and there's a lot of stuff online at the moment, like like millions of things of you know online fitness challenges uh, loads of olympians from all different sports and stuff um i, I wondered if uh, sergio or anybody else would like to show us the perfect burpee technique me like you know i don't know if you guys know i can burp but i cannot do a burpee I, I i broke my ankle uh so they put five screws on my 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 foot like a few weeks ago so I, I cannot walk yet. So, okay. But, but I, can, I can go like this. <laughs> but I can, uh, uh, I, I, I lost that challenge. I think my challenge now, it's like contemplation, meditating, watching Netflix. How many shows can I watch? You know, how many episodes can I watch in, in one night? The other day I found myself, I watched the same episode four times because I'll, I'll put it on and I'll be like, and then I wake up and I miss the whole freaking thing. So I had to turn it again four times, four hours of my day were like gone. <laughs> I think because if Sergio don't have insurance cover, if Sergio have insurance cover, he can <laughs> challenge no. you. <laughs> no, I have, ins I have insurance. <laughs> I'm gonna sue the school for my foot and I'm gonna not retire with the money gonna pay me. But, um, anything else, guys? I have other questions. Uh, no, actually, it's coach, assistant, another one relationship. Uh, what about the leaders in the group and swimmer? Who is lead the group, actually? Is oldest one or more experienced or how are you running this one? No, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Uh, actually, it's head coach and assistant coach, understand. But in group, actually, we have some leaders, yeah? It's from yeah. the swimmer. Do you have a stronger swimmer or have a weaker swimmer or you have his fastest? How? No, like, like, for example, the way I do it, and I did, I did this with the Singapore team for the SEA Games and all this, we always choose captains, you know, and people that are going to be leaders. And what we do is like this. Uh, we have a meeting and... I ask everybody that wants to be a captain to stand up and talk to the team of why, the reasons why they want to lead, they want to do this, they want to do that. Normally, the best leaders are the, the slowest swimmers, you know. So, uh, to me, like, like this year, my, my, my captains of my team, my women's team, two of the girls were walk-on kids. Walk-on kid, it means that they have no money, they were very slow. Uh, one of them was like probably six seconds or slower in the handle back than the next one. You know, so, and, 
a very slow kid, but she was a very good leader. She, she kept the team together and they love her and they, they rally up, uh, around that kid. You know, so normally if I have six captains, one or two of the, the good swimmers might be captains, four or more are the slowest swimmers, the middle, the middle to the bottom. And that's fine. Uh, that's, you know, I think a team is, is a family and, you know, a group, whatever group, the distance group has its identity, the sprinters group, but then we have to come all together and, and they have to feed out one another. And I think that the ones that they're not as good, you know, the very good swimmers are very selfish. They're like, it's all about me, me, uh, I'm the best, you know, so you have to have leadership from people that think about everybody. So actually, I hear the problem. They have is 40 swimmer at the same time, yeah, for two lanes. Actually, they find some leaders for sudden group. They can set up problem. Yes, actually. So totally, this leader can help for the coach, run program, and help. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think if you have good leaders and you communicate with them, like you know, JC, one of my coaches that was here listening to this. She's in charge of the women's team. And I told her at the beginning of the season, you have to have meetings specifically with the women and you have to sit down with them and they have to have their own identity. And they've done a great job. You know, they have their own meetings. They'll, they'll go and do a, a cooking day in somebody's house and they'll go another day and do something else. And they get together and they're not so fast swimmers, but they really believe in the team are keeping everything together and they cheer in the practice and they supporting one another and that's very important and that also comes from you as a coach you know most of the coaches have a tendency of only paying attention to the fast swimmers because they think that's a reflection of who i am but when you pay attention even if it's only for one minute to the not so fast swimmers those kids are going to go through a wall for you so you have to recognize that. And every day you have to talk with every swimmer that you have, if you can, and say, hey, good job, Jimmy. Hey, good job, Peter. Hey, good job, uh, Gary. Hey, good job, Elizabeth. And, oh, today you had a great set. And try to be supportive. Takes 10 seconds. Yeah, thanks. Coach, can we speak about a little bit about uh, drugs in sport? Um, it will obviously be opinion only, but I'm wondering, um, some, some of the Olympians who, for example, had uh, bans for doping, that would have prevented them from Tokyo 2020. If those bans have um, expired by Tokyo 2021, uh, what, what, what is your comment on that? Look. I, I don't understand, I, no, I, don't, I understand drugs. I don't know uh, much about supplements and things because I don't want to worry about all that. Um, uh, it is what it is. Like, uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, if they want to make this thing fair, they will make drugs legal, you know, the same way that they have vitamins and this. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't support getting dope, doping yourself because it's against the rules. But it's a business, you know. And how many countries have had many positives and they don't show up? You know, and you know, why Sun Yang was able to compete and others were not able to compete. You know. So oh I think 
uh, can you hear me? Uh, so, so to me, I, I, I don't know if my professional athletes think about that. I think they get upset when they see all this news, but there's nothing you can do. It's like, it's out of our hands, you know? So you don't think about it. I don't think about it. When I was a swimmer, I saw many of my competition, like I had many, many of my competitors from one year to another go from a skinny to big, go from being like looking good to having a big job and from being Final B at European Championships to being top two at, at World Championships. That's not that's not real, but we we all have seen that. So it is what it is, and I, I'm not gonna worry about it. There's nothing I can do. Anybody else has anything? Nope. All right, guys, it's been almost two hours. Right? Um, if, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go to bed or watch Netflix. Um, but, um, but I thank you very much for, for joining the chat. And I think for the next one, if you guys want to email me or, or uh, you know, your thoughts about what you would like to talk. But the important thing is this, I don't need to be talking. You know, I don't need. I could be listening for two hours. I think what's important is I want to be a facilitator. I can share whatever you want me to share. I'm not going to be a specific. I'm not going to make a PowerPoint presentation. But I think what's important is have this type of, of chat. You know, if you want to talk about uh, season planning, if you want to talk about a teaching technique, let's share how people do things because that's how we're going to learn. You know. And there's, as I said before, there's thousand ways to get to the same place. And now is the time for us. Now, today we had up to 81 people showing up, I think, at one point that I saw. So 81 different ideas of how we do things. You know, like, you know, I had a, I had a, before I came to Singapore, when I was at Bowls, in one and a half years, I had 24 coaches from all over the world coming to watch my practice. And I gave them my practices, I gave them whatever, I let them be at the meetings. And a few of the coaches told me, they're like, hey, Sergio, why you give me all this? Why you give me all your secrets? There's no secret, but uh, it's because, what, do you think I'm afraid that, I'm, that you're gonna beat me? That your team is gonna be better than mine? I'm not afraid of that. There's no way your team is gonna be better than mine. That's what I think. Because I'm, I'm gonna work very hard for my team is the best. And if your team beats me, don't worry, I'll figure it out and then next year I'm gonna be there. And that's how you have to believe. You, you have to believe in what you do. If you don't believe in what you do, it's over. It's game over, right? So, and not because I give you the sets that I do, you're gonna be able to make an Olympic champion. No, because maybe the sets that I do, you look at them, Gary can tell you this. He looked at me and said, Sergio, you practice are nothing special. He told me one day, you always say that. You told me that. We were on the pool deck. You said, yeah, there's nothing special. And I, I know there's nothing special. You didn't hear my feelings. I still like you. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I mean, like what Serge said, I'm just adding to that as well. I think um, a set is a set. And I think it's just how you coach. I think coaching is one of the key things that makes the difference that all of us put in different times and different efforts and different ways of doing it. 
So I think this discussion is very good. Uh, search, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I think that was it's been it's been really good. Uh, you know, and I appreciate you setting this up for Southeast Asian coaches. Uh, you know, and around the world as well. So for us, this is something that is quite special within our region, and I hope more coaches will participate a bit more. Uh, you know, get involved with the conversation and create more content so that we can discuss about it as well. Yeah. And, you know, I'm having an, another one with English-speaking coaches from all over the world. You know, on it's 3 a.m. Your, your time, so that's probably not a good time for you. But, uh, but if anybody wants to be part of that, the, you know, last time we had Dave Marsh spoke, we had some pretty good coaches from all over the world talking. Just shoot me, an email, shoot me an email and say, can you include me in that? And I'll send you at some point a link so you can, you can join. Yeah. Right now... As of this moment, between the three talks, we put together 340 coaches, 330-something coaches. So that's huge. So I think the more we do this these days, I have until, as of right now, I have until June 30th. I can do this once a week. <laughs> no. by, then, by then, I'm going to be 140 kilograms waiting, you know, and I'm going to be sitting on my couch. Like, I will be able to move. But I enjoy it. I really thank you guys for, for sharing uh, this time. And please, please, I don't want to talk all the time. Right? You guys take ownership of this. Pick up, unmute yourself and say, I want to talk about this. And somebody else says, hey, this is what I do. And somebody else, this is what I do. All right? Serge, thank you, sir. Appreciate that, it. You're welcome, guys. I'm going to disconnect this thing and have a beautiful day. I'm going to... I'm gonna go to bed probably. This is hey. This Thank is you. Thanks, Sergio. Thank you very much, Serge. <laughs> Thank you, Sergio. You're welcome. Take it easy, guys. Bye, Sergio. Bye, Ryan. See ya. Yeah. Bye, bye.